Thanks for joining us. You're about to listen to another Sunday worship service from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Good morning and happy Easter to you. My name is Rick Dake and I'm one of the clergy leaders here at Clarkston Yard Methodist Church. And we've been broadcasting from our homes for the last couple of weeks, but it's Easter and they couldn't keep me out of the building. Now, I've been told to be sure to tell you, though, don't be worried. Uh, I'm the only one in the building plus one other person and we are radically far away from each other and will remain so. We are practicing all the safe practices of uh, social distancing but I wanted to be here today to share with you this Easter story, and I want to begin by welcoming all of you to this worship service. I know that today we have a number of people who are watching us for the first time, so welcome. And on behalf of the congregation, I celebrate that you're joining with us. We are a congregation whose mission statement is to vitally connect people to people and people to God. And that is a powerful mission for us even today. So this chance to talk with you and to worship with you and to connect with you in this way on this amazing Easter is really important. So thank you for being here. I want to invite you in the days to come to go to the church website, clarksonumc.org, and there you can discover right on the very front page a lot of active ministries still undergoing in the life of this church. While we are scattered in our own homes, there are still things happening, and people are being reached and connected with, and you can go to that homepage and discover some of those opportunities. There's one I especially want to make sure all of you are aware of, though, and that is that beginning tomorrow, we are launching a new study, the study of the Gospel of John. A quick word. Earlier this year, I said to my staff, it's going to be a hard year. Now, I had a lot of things in mind, and none of them had anything to do with the virus. But in thinking that 2020 was going to be a difficult year for so many, I thought, what should we be doing as a congregation and a community of faith? And I felt compelled to believe we were called to dig down deep into the gospel. And so, contrary to how we normally do it, we're beginning tomorrow and for the rest of the next 21 weeks, a study of the gospel of John. Now, here's how you can join with us. The beginning of each week on the website, we're going to post a brief Bible study on the chapter of the week. So tomorrow, it's John first chapter. You can watch it probably in around 20 minutes or so. 
and it will give you background to the story and to the experiences and to the context of what that chapter is about. After you read that or hear that video, you can answer a few of the questions. Maybe what you want to do is do some virtual Bible study or Bible study within your home. The goal is over the next 21 weeks, we will be focused in on the same gospel. Let it speak to us, let it move us, and let it ground us in the foundation of faith. Each Sunday, there will be a message coming out of a portion of that chapter. So I'm inviting you to join with us. For the next four weeks, we're going to do a virtual class at Tuesday at 11 o'clock in the morning. You can jump on the website and, and register in and be a part of that conversation we're going to just do that for four weeks, and then we're going to vary the studies as time goes on. I am so convinced this is exactly what we need to do to stay connected and grounded in faith. And as we go through the months ahead, I invite you to join with us in this study. But right now, I invite you to join with us in this worship. Today is Easter, and there's nothing that can stop the power of this day. So join with us as we celebrate, as we sing, as we pray. Oh, and one more thing. As we go through the service today, this is for the children out there. You might want to watch closely the screen because there are some eggs hidden in this room with me. And as the service goes on, their number will change. Can you find them? Will you be able to count all of them by the end of the service? We'll find out. Let's worship together. And let us come together in singing this great hymn of faith. Christ the Lord is risen today. together in the affirmation of faith. We are not alone. 
We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the, world, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect and creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Thank you, Chancellor Choir. It's wonderful to be able to bring them into this service. Obviously, different parts of this service have been pre-recorded and brought in from previous days, but the power remains, and I'm grateful to all of your gifts. I want also to now guide our thoughts as we get ready to hear the scripture for today. You know the story that's coming. It happens to be coming from the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, it is the women who take the center stage. It is the women who go to the tomb. They've not been in the center stage for the rest of the story, but they get to come in because of their service, because of their dedication, their love for Jesus. It brings them to a tomb to surprise them. I invite you now to hear the story and receive it as God's blessing. The scripture reading from Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Judy. I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we are leaning deep into you today. We, we are trusting technology, but far more than that, we are trusting your Holy Spirit, which has never been constrained by anything we've put in its way. So flow around us and through us. Allow the power of this service to be a holy connection with each other and with you. Let us hear your word amidst my words and our thoughts. All to your blessing and all for the preparing of our witness to the world in the days to come. We pray this in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. I wonder how many of you in the last few days have had more Zoom meetings in your life than ever before. Now, I know some of you are not involved in lives where you have to do that a lot. But uh, many of us are discovering that we spend a lot of hours in front of a camera talking to other people whose faces may or may not appear on a screen. A Zoom call allows folks to come together virtually for meetings and gatherings of various kinds. 
On those Zoom calls, though, as we begin to learn the technology, we're learning to help encourage people to think about doing a few things, like when I do my virtual classes, I don't want to see you. is isn't that I don't want to see you. It's that working from home and taking classes from home, you may not always be aware of what's going on in the background behind you. So to save embarrassment to spouses and children or scenes that the rest of us don't want to be a part of, uh, we've encouraged folks, uh, don't bother to turn the camera on while we're in class. We've encouraged people in the same way to keep their uh, mute button on. In other words, don't let us hear unless you're ready to actually speak. Because I've discovered when people are sitting at home, there are sounds that are made that you don't make if you're sitting next to each other in a business room. It's just a weird, funny time as we're getting used to this Zoom world and other ways in which we're connecting with each other. And here's the thing. How long ago was it when we weren't even thinking about Zoom calls? When we never considered offering meetings or classes where no one had to leave their home? It has happened that quickly that we are all beginning to adjust into a new world, into a new way. It's happened within just a few weeks, but it leaves us perplexed. It leaves, leaves us trying to get caught up and, and adapt to all the changes around us. The irony of this situation in which we live in might be illustrated by something I did this past week. I've been isolating at home or the church because I live next door, but not been going out in the public. Laura also has been, my wife, has been staying at home the other day, though, I decided I just needed to get in the car, so I did. I went and drove to the Kroger gas station, where with my discount, I was able to buy gas for 80 cents a gallon. The irony of that is, it's the cheapest gas I've paid, and I can't even tell you when, and guess what? I have no place to go. I have a tank full of cheap gas and no place to burn it off. We are living in really weird times, but of course, that's not the weirdest or most poignant. This last week, I officiated at my first funeral in the COVID world. The funeral home contacted me, the family contacted me. I talked with the family by phone. I then went and recorded a message which I then emailed to the funeral home. And then on the day of the funeral, less than 10 people gathered in the room, seated across the room, not near each other. And the funeral home took a picture to send it to me. And in this vast, almost empty room, there was a casket up front of the loved one, folks scattered around, and a TV up behind the casket where you could see me giving a message. We didn't touch each other. We didn't hug each other. We didn't look each other in the eye. We didn't pray standing next to each other. But it's how things are today. It's a very, very perplexing and strange time. Alongside of that, of course, are all the reasons why we are staying at home and why the world has shifted. We're afraid. We're afraid for our loved ones who, when they begin to get sniffles, who worry, is it just a cold? Is it something more. We look at the statistics and begin to realize that 
15,000 almost in the country, 1,000 in the state of Michigan, and 250 in this county have passed away in just the last few weeks from a disease we never knew anything about two months ago. And we're finding it very hard to describe the indescribable. How do you say the feelings and describe what it is for our loved ones to drop their, lo- their, their relatives and loved ones off at a door, to let them go into a hospital or an institution and never be able to see them again, hoping that they'll come out one day? How poignant is it to sit in the driveway of loved ones and friends and have conversation far apart, but trying to connect? This is simply a time unlike any other we have ever faced. We are distanced from each other. We are disoriented. Everything that we had planned, our hopes and our dreams, are completely off schedule. And some we'll never recapture. From high school graduations to weddings the way we had wanted them to be and so many other major life events. To Easter Sunday, where we worship I from an empty room in an empty church to you and your houses. How can we ever begin to describe to others what it was like to live through these days? That is what they said on Good Friday, you know, long ago. Jesus was dead. Judas was dead. And maybe soon all of them feared that they would be killed as well. All their plans had been scattered into harsh winds blowing around them. Five days before, everything had been great. Nothing could have matched the exhilaration of that Palm Sunday entry, that parade into the holy city. None of them could have imagined how quickly the world could turn dark and frightening. And it happened that soon, that completely. How long would it last? When would they be able to no longer be afraid? How long would they have to hide in their homes, as Scripture records that they did? When could they get back to normal life, or life as normal as it ever would be again? When would the confusion, the fear, and the isolation end? Now, in our heads, we think we know the answer. We know that for them, well, it ended on Easter. On Easter morning, they went to the tomb and they found that Jesus was alive. He was risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And they were set free. That's what our mind thinks. But the scriptures tell us that's not even close to the truth. The women went to the tomb. They went there to carry out an act of amazing love, to care for the body of Jesus, because they had been unable to do that because of ritual law before that moment until after the Sabbath was completed. And there in the tomb, they found not a body, but emptiness, cavernous emptiness. And what does it say? Does it say they were excited, they were thrilled to death? No, the scriptures record they were perplexed and they were terrified. The tomb was empty, but there were angels there. Angels! Angels who were proclaiming to them that Jesus was risen, just like he had told them. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe 
And so in telling the story to the disciples, in midst of their disbelief, their disorientation as well, Peter runs back, sees the empty tomb. He who heard all of Jesus' teachings about this day went home amazed, confused, perplexed. On Easter morning, that first Easter morning, Jesus Christ was in fact risen from the dead. But the disciples could not get their head around it because they were still caught up in the world of pain and isolation and fear that they'd been living in. It would take them a while before they would finally be able to fully embrace an Easter faith. The scriptures give us a number of post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to help them process through that time. But even after that, in Acts, they're still huddled in their homes, afraid until the Holy Spirit blew upon them. They lived in fear and also in the reality of Easter resurrection all at the same time. It took a while. So what was the gift of Easter for them on that day? It wasn't the fact that all their fears dissipated. It wasn't the fact that they broke out into the world and lived with courage and conviction. It was, though, the fact that they were given on that Easter morning the first gift of hope. That Jesus' resurrection began to stir within them, even in a way which they could not fully understand. You know, this thing may in fact not be the final moment. This might not be the final experience of our faith. Perhaps Easter is beginning to be born in us and around us. They began over the days to come to embrace Easter, to let Easter embrace them, to let their fears fade away, and to stand courageous and hopeful in the world that was still living with fear and concern. The gift of Easter for those first disciples was not complete certainty and to be able to live unafraid, but it was to have in the face of fear courage and hope. How can we experience that today? I think we go back to exactly where the disciples were. I have thought about this a lot. I believe we are living on an Easter day more like that first Easter than any Easter I've ever known in my life. The world is completely upside down. The world, not just our own community, the world. The church is scattered in a diaspora of all around in our homes. We are unable to gather together to sing hymns, to look at Easter lilies, to wear our our favorite Easter attire. No, none of that. And we're afraid. And we're afraid of the unknown. For how long, what if, dominates our thought and our conversation? This is just like the first Easter. So how can we live as an Easter people today? How can we find the courage and hope that they had in the midst of their own fear long ago? Over the last few weeks, I was reading an article by Warren Kingdom, who's a psychiatrist and a theologian at Duke University. And he was writing, he wrote in an article about this very thing. And he referenced a name that I hadn't thought about for a while, Thomas Aquinas. 
uh, medieval Christian philosopher, Christian philosopher and theologian. And in his writing, he was describing the difference between fear as an emotion and fear as a way of living. The emotion of fear, Aquinas said, is good. We need to be able to be a properly afraid of the things that threaten us. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid, um, hoping that our loved ones don't get COVID-19. There's nothing wrong about being afraid and wondering when the world will return back to what it once was. That fear makes perfect sense. But Aquinas said Christians are called, whenever we are afraid, to mix our fear with love. When we are simply afraid, we are guided to do things which do not show acts of love. The, the hoarding of resources that others might not be able to have their fair share is an act of fear but has no love in it. It is not a Christian witness to the world. The fear that allows us to think that others in the world are more expendable than we are is not Christian fear. Christian fear must always be mingled with the power of love. That's the Easter story long ago. It's the Easter story for us today. Today we are called to stand courageous with love in the face of fear. Last week I saw an interview of a person who was waiting in line, a long line. She was sitting in her car waiting to join others by going into a church service, completely in defiance of the stay-in-place order that had been given in her state. She said, there's no other place that I would rather be than be in church today with all these people, and I know that I am protected by the blood of Christ. And I heard that interview, and I want to tell you and confess to you, I became angry to the almost the point of being enraged. I was so angry about the arrogance and the foolishness of that statement. And not so much at her, but at the whole brand of Christianity that would teach that somehow it doesn't really matter what other people think. It doesn't matter whether my actions might in fact be at risk, put other people at risk. I'm going to go ahead and be in the church. Well, guess what? I wanted to be in the church today too to preach and so I am, but I'm here by myself because more than anything else, I want to be here in this building. But more than that, I want you to be safe. I want your loved ones to be safe. I want your neighbors to be safe. I want the people we don't know to be safe. And we will not open up the church until we know that we can gather together and everyone stay healthy and safe, because that's when you are loving in the midst of your fear. That's when you're showing courage to say, you know, the church can exist. The church might even be more powerful as it exists today with all of the things that we often think are so important moved away. And the only thing we can rely on today is the power and love of Jesus Christ to connect us when we can't be with each other. To rely on the power and love of Jesus Christ to give us ways to act with courage and love in these days of fear. That's Easter living. And that's what we're called to live today. Easter courage and hope is found, and I find it all around, in the love and the actions of nurses and doctors and medical staff and grocery workers and others who are essential workers, who go to work, who put their own lives on the line, who are facing being infected themselves because in the midst of their fear, and don't think that they aren't afraid, 
they are still willing to show courage mixed with love and care for us and for those who are the most vulnerable. And if right now you would join with me for all the nurses and the doctors and the healthcare workers and the grocery store people and all those folks, the first responders who are doing their jobs so that you and I can stay safe, would you join with me in applauding them and giving God thanks for what they are doing for us and the courage and love that they are showing. Easter courage and hope is mingled with love when I hear about neighbors taking care of neighbors, looking out for each other, giving each other phone calls, drawing messages to each other on sidewalks. I had a story come over uh, the phone in a conversation I had this past week with a neighbor who's watching over some neighbors of theirs who who uh, attend our church. And, and there, I won't get into the details, but there was a moment where their presence, not physically next to, but presence in the lives of that family was critically important. To be willing to take the time to call and talk with the vulnerable, with the elderly, with the lonely, is a holy work. And over this week, I have heard countless stories of people who are reaching out and making good old phone calls or writing good old notes and letters to people just to say, we're thinking of you, we care about you, do you need anything? So for all of you who are being those kinds of neighbors to each other, I applaud you and I give you thanks and praise. And I'm so glad that you are joining together in that connection with the people around you. Easter courage and hope is found in the actions that you're doing in this ministry to help us continue to feed the hungry. Over here to my left, outside these doors, are wire racks where we are still collecting food. You can drop off your bags of, of groceries at any time. We're collecting them in every day and turning around out that side of the building to a variety of places where hunger is real. The resources of this church are needed, and you are meeting that need, and I am so grateful. So to those of you who are supporting that food ministry and helping to feed those who are needing it, I applaud you, and I give you thanks and praise. That's Easter courage and hope lived out mixed with love. I want to suggest to you that, that there are all kinds of ways in which people are showing that kind of Easter courage and hope. I, I received a, a picture the other day, and I'm so sorry I didn't bring it with me, but a picture from one of the kids in our church. She was just thinking about me, and so she drew a picture, and her parents sent it, and it meant so much to me for, for to receive that, to know she was thinking of me. And so I, I want to thank all the kids who are doing these kinds of things with their parents and grandparents and loved ones to show love and let their innocence of childhood continue to bless us. I want to celebrate the people of this church right now who are engaged in acts of courage and hope and love by making these homemade masks. We have a number of folks in our church who are doing that, and they're dropping them off also on those wire racks. This is one that was made for me. And you can see it's customized because it says, go fishing. This gift is a simple gift, but it's a gift of love. It's a gift that is given to me so that I can stay safe when I go out. And you can say, well, that's not that big a deal. That's a gift of love. That's a gift of saying, I'm not going to sit at home and be afraid. I'm going to do something to show courage and faith in these days. And I applaud those who are making these masks, for those who are wearing their masks, and for all of us who are finding those tasks that we can do to reach out and care for each other. You are showing Easter courage and love by the way that you stay home. By the way you fight the urge to get out of your cars and go walk around. By the way you're willing to practice social distancing so we can live the mission of this church 
of connecting people to people in a way that means we care more about you and your health than our need to go up next to you and raise the risk for your health or mine. That's holy living. That's Easter courage and faith mingled with love. So thank you for staying home. It's tough. I get it. I get it. But thank you for doing that. Easter courage and hope is the way that I get to watch the staff of this church and the leadership of this church become adaptive to continue to do the very things we used to do, but in new ways. The ways in which they were having these amazing programs with children who are looking forward to to these Bible study classes and Sunday school classes that we're still offering virtually, uh, to the connection with our youth uh, where they're gathering together. They're more comfortable with the technology, of course, but it's intentionally offering programming so that people, the youth know that they are loved and that God is with them. The programs and ministry we're offering throughout this ministry continue to amaze me in a day when people say, well, the church is closed, the building is closed, but the church is radically alive. I want to celebrate the staff who's showing their talents to take the technology we used to use on a regular basis and gearing it up so we can bring messages like this to you. Their efforts are amazing, and all of them, the entire staff and the leadership of this church, which continues to guide it, all needs to be applauded. I give thanks for all of them who are doing that great work. Easter courage and hope is being lived out all around us. It doesn't mean that the world is any less scary. And that some of it doesn't still leave us perplexed. Doesn't mean that we have uncertain emotions around uncertain days to come. There's an unknown in front of us, and that's frightening. And to that, you know what we say? Why do we look for the living among the dead? For Christ is not in the places of our fear, but has risen. Remember how Christ told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and must be crucified in the third day and rise again? Did you not know that in the midst of every day, including the days of darkness and fear, Jesus Christ is risen? That is the truth today. Christ the Lord is risen today. And that is not something that you may fully embrace in this moment, but it's happened, and that's what matters. And as the days unfold, the risen Christ will continue to be with us and we will find ways to live with courage and love and faith in the face of fear. And we will give a witness to the world to say we are not alone and they are not alone because the risen Christ is with us. This is the good news of Easter. And I stand with you today encouraged and so blessed to know that we are the body of Christ connected in the living moment of this reality. Christ is risen, alive, and with us here and now, and because Christ is risen, you and I will also rise up. Over the days to come, we will rise up. We may be broken down and tired of living life on this insane merry-go-round, and we may not feel like much of a fighter, but we're going to rise up. When the silence isn't quiet and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe and you feel like you're dying, we will rise up. Let us rise up together as the people of God. Let us rise up today on this Easter and applaud and celebrate all who are showing amazing courage and love and faith in the midst of these frightening days. And most of all, let us begin now to stand up as an Easter people in the midst of our own fears and uncertainty and let the risen Christ be our Lord, be our strength, be our hope. May you live with that courage and may you let your fears, which are real, be mingled with love that you might show mercy and grace and compassion 
and witness to the world a life blessed by Jesus Christ who is with us now and always will be. It's Easter, and Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah and amen. Good to be in worship together on Easter Sunday, even though it's virtual. And we've come now to our moment when we pray together. So I invite you, wherever you're sitting or standing, just take a breath. <sighs> Let's focus together on our Creator and join together in prayer. Let's pray. God of new life, we need Easter. We need to be reminded that where we see something that is dead and hollow, you see something full of potential, ready to transform and become full of life. Lord, you are a creating God. You are like a flame that warms our hearts, a light burning in the darkness. Today we come to you in prayer, seeking your power of creation and of fire, knowing that even as we are your hands and feet, we are the ones who feed the hungry and comfort the sick. We are the ones who are charged with making masks and sending encouraging notes. And yet, we need your spark to keep us going. So in this moment, we pray that you would rekindle in us and in our hearts the capacity to hope. Where there is sickness, offer healing, Lord. Where there is brokenness, offer restoration. Where there is grief, offer comfort. Rekindle in our families harmony and strength. Rekindle in our communities compassion for one another. Rekindle in our world a spirit of collaboration, offering to those in power the greatest wisdom possible so that the sick and vulnerable may be cared for, and those on the front lines of fighting disease may be protected. Lord, light a fire within our hearts, so that each day we may rely on you and your power instead of our own. Each day may we offer grace to those around us, and even extend some of that grace to ourselves, because these are difficult days. Rekindle within us, Lord, a sense of possibility, a sense of wonder. And yes, we ask once again, give us hope. 
God. We pray in the name of the risen Christ whose story offers hope to all. As we say together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Megan, for leading us in prayer. Real quick, I just want to pause and ask the kids, do you see the eggs now? How many have you counted? Where are the ones that are there now that weren't there before? Keep looking and keep watching all the way to the end of the service because, well, just do so. I think you might enjoy that. Right now, for the rest of you, I want to invite you to join with us in what for us has become a critical part of worship. Because we've come to understand that the offering really is a response to God's Word. It is the opportunity when we step back and consider, okay, Christ is proclaiming these things, including today that He's risen. So how can I live with courage and hope, even in the midst of my fear? And that talks about every aspect of our life. So when we take up this offering right now, we really do mean for you to pause and consider what are you going to hand over to Jesus Christ? What fears, anxieties, what commitments you need to make, what actions you need to take? This is the opportunity to do that. It's also the opportunity that we very joyfully say it's about also giving our financial resources. Because we believe here at Clarkson United Methodist Church that to say Jesus Christ is our Lord is to say he's Lord over everything. And so we make sure, that is to say, my wife and I make sure, Laura and I make sure that we're able to make our, give our gift first thing because we want Christ as a priority over all of our life, including our financial living. I want to invite you to go to the church website, clarksonumc.org, and there, look up in the upper left, right-hand corner, there's a blue Give button. You can click on that, and it'll give you three ways to give. You can go ahead and make a one-time gift. You could do that today or any day coming up. You can also set up a reoccurring gift, which is what Laura and I do. We just, every cycle, our, our paycheck automatically gives out that gift, first gift to the church and to Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to think about doing that. More and more of our families are using that as an opportunity to keep that constant priority in their own faith journey. You can also text to give. The number will appear on the screen, and you can use that number. You can go to the website to find it, too, and text a gift to the church at any time. And, of course, you can also send checks. It's a way in which many of us in the past are used to sending that, and that support is critically needed. So if you want to continue to give in that way, of course, send your check to 6600 Walden Road, Clarkson, Michigan, 48346. All of that information is on the website. Well, what I want you to hear from me is this. There's a reason to give financially right now. That is so to make sure the church is continually strong and equipped to do the ministry that we're continuing to do even in these odd days and in the days to come. When this COVID-19 cloud lifts, then know that this ministry is empowered and capable 
of thrusting and launching into the days to come, offering vital services and the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I ask you to give financially, spiritually, practically, of your life and of your actions. All of this to the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's take this time of offering and let it be a blessing to Christ and a blessing to all of us. As we hear this music, may God bless what you bring. Hey, Clark Senior Methodist. Happy Easter greetings from New York City. I want to extend some love to you and especially to my family in Clarkston and Waterford.
to join with me in a prayer of blessing the offering. Gracious and loving God, everything that we have now given to you and all that we will continue to give to you in the days to come, we ask that it be your spirit to stir within us the reason to give it so that giving always brings joy. Giving always allows us to celebrate generosity, that our hearts might continually find courage and strength that as we give, as we surrender, as we let you come more into our life, we'll feel so blessed by the power of knowing the risen Christ is with us. So bless all the offering that's laid before you today to your glory in the name of the risen Christ. Today we end our Easter worship. So grateful that you were able to join with us and pray that you'll continue with us in the John study, in devotions coming up, in worship coming up. This connection with you is so important for you, for me, for the world. So he received this blessing. Stand today with courage in the midst of fear. Proclaim in empty tombs a risen Christ. Proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ's power is alive and at work right now around you, in you, and in this world. Wherever you are today, as you stay in your homes, know that there Christ visits you. And as the world continues to evolve in the days to come, we too will experience Emmaus Roads and new opportunities to discover the power of Christ's love. Live today in the joy of Christ. Live today in the knowledge that he is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that is the good news. Thanks be to God, and thank you for worshiping with us. Amen. Did you count those eggs? Have a great Sunday.
You've been listening to the Sunday worship service from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.